Hallo und herzlich willkommen zu einem kleinen Interview mit Millennial Rose. Und ähm, ich werde jetzt nicht lange quatschen, sondern das Wort an meinen englischen Moderator Domizio übergeben und der kann euch den Rest sagen. Uh, all right. Uh, today, um, today's interview is with Millennial Woes, and it's going to be the first interview in a series of interviews, probably, where we're going to be talking to representatives of uh, patriotic resistance movements um, abroad. Um, all right. Uh, welcome, Millennial Woes, and thank you so much for taking the time today. It's much appreciated. Uh, perhaps you'd like to say a quick hello and introduce yourself. Uh, well, hello. I'm Millennial Woes. My real name's Colin, but my channel is called Millennial Woes, and that's generally how people know me in our spheres. Um, I started it four years ago. I'm from Scotland, Edinburgh, and my channel handles a lot of different subjects. Uh, obviously, po uh, political, social things, especially <coughs> um, mass immigration, multiculturalism, and feminism, uh, a wee bit, that kind of thing. And also psychology and morality so and politics as well and i also talk about a little bit about culture art media that kind of thing so uh those are my topics really my main thing i, th I would say is psychology but uh other people might disagree <laughs> yeah okay all right colin uh, so how did you actually come up with your channel name well i can't remember now because I was going to call it Millennial Observer. That was the first idea that I, I only had two ideas, Millennial Observer and then and Millennial Woes. And I can't remember which came first, which idea I had <laughs> first. But I, I, I decided on Millennial Woes because it was shorter and it sounded more poetic, um, more sort of evocative and sad as well, sort of sorrowful. And The name refers to the, the millennial is a double meaning. It, it, it's referring to the gen, my my generation. I'm on the very edge of millennial, the millennial generation, and millennial slash Gen X. So it refers to them, that generation who were born from the early '80s to, through to the mid '90s, and it also refers to the age that we live in. That this is the millennial era, uh, to do with the year 2000 and uh, you know this this very confusing time at the start of the 21st century. So that's, there's a double meaning with the word millennial. And then the woes obviously refers to, and, and you've got to remember that in those days, my channel was much, I think it was, it would be fair to say it was much more downbeat than it is now. Um, it dealt with depression, mental illness, disappointment, confusion, uncertainty, Uh, that sort of thing that I think a lot of young people experience nowadays. I think they always have done, but especially now because our societies create those so many problems. So that's what the woes was all about. That's what it referred to the the ways in which our societies just don't make sense and don't work at a deep level. They work in the, on the surface. Everything's okay. Um, but but there are deep problems with with our civilization, with Western civilization today. So I never. So that's what the channel was like in the in the first place, and that's why I gave it that name. Nowadays the channel is a bit more upbeat, but I I've never thought about changing the name because it's obviously what I'm what I'm recognised as, and um, and I think it makes sense. And in the end, I'm still talking about problems. I'm still talking about. Uh, 
the catastrophes that the catastrophe that I think we're approaching in the West. So yeah, it's still, you know, still about woes. Yeah, okay. it's still an appropriate name. And also the other thing I would say about it is that I just think it's a beautiful name. I, I really like those two words put together. I think they they sound very nice and they they look nice on the screen as well. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, it has always been about woes, and it just has evolved a little. Uh, the level on yeah, which it, uh, because yeah. I have evolved. You know, the, yeah. the channel has been successful, far more successful than I ever thought it would be. And that has changed my life, in you know, my day-to-day -day life, and it's changed my frame of mind, how I feel. So, you know, the, therefore the attitude that I uh, express on the channel has changed as well. I'm, you know, a stronger person uh, than I was four years ago. Um, and I wouldn't want to say that I'm more content or more happy as such because the problems I talk about are still there and I'm still a fairly melancholic sort of person but certainly I'm stronger and more resourceful than I than I was then so obviously as what I mean is the channel has been successful so that has helped me and therefore the the attitude on the channel has changed and I would say it's become more as less depressing less slow paced as well and uh more proactive and hopefully more positive, more sort of optimistic in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, you, yeah, you mentioned that you uh, were also focusing a lot on uh, psychology on your channel. Um, so um, you basically said what your channel is about, but uh, what are you, uh, at least your current uh, current main topics on your channel and what is it uh, that you at least currently, uh, want to teach people on your channel the message that you want to get across, so to speak? Well, you sent me the, this question beforehand and I wrote down the following answer. Uh, the art of self-examination leading to self-knowledge leading to honesty about the world. So I've not improvised that. That was something I wrote uh, a few days ago in, in preparation for this. The art of self-examination leading to self-knowledge leading to honesty about the world. Because I think, and I've said this many times on the channel, unless you know yourself, you can't really be honest about the world. It's very difficult to do that if you're intelligent. There are, there are unintelligent people who don't really know themselves and they don't need to because they just accept, they just receive the world as it is because they don't have the intelligence to distort it. But if you are intelligent and you're receiving the world, then it, you're very able to distort it and be dishonest about it. So this is why it's essential to, to know yourself, to, to, to whatever extent you can. And the way to do that is to reflect, you know, to get to know yourself and ask, ask questions. So I would say that that is really the, the number one thing that I have always been trying to do with the channel. Um, I examined myself. I was, uh, and, you know, it's always, there's always a danger of, assuming that you succeeded in that <laughs> to getting to know yourself yeah that's you could you could do that forever you know and never really get to mm -hmm. the bottom of things um but i did try that I, I i do try to know myself and be aware of my flaws because this is the thing if you're not aware of your flaws then you're not going to be aware of the possible mistakes in your own judgment when you're talking about society or other people or culture or politics or ideas if you don't know yourself then you don't know 
why you might delude yourself about something or why you might want to believe this um, mm-hmm. and so on. So this is that that's if you're yeah, if you're asking me what do I want to teach people, it's the art of being honest with yourself, which does not, as I say, to most intelligent people, honesty does not come naturally or easily. It's something that you really have to learn. I think uh, probably throughout your 20s and 30s and maybe even beyond that. Um, I don't know. I think as a teenager, it's very, very difficult to be honest with yourself because you've, you're only just starting. You know, Your character is only just forming. And so yeah. then you have the job of getting to know that person that has developed, this person that you are, this, this brain that you've found yourself with. You know, uh, so <clears throat> yes, yeah, honesty doesn't come naturally, and that's what I try to uh, push on the channel. And then, actual topics. Well, you know, the first year on the channel was really about psychology and morality, and I did talk about race and immigration, multiculturalism as well, but only as one of many problems uh, in society. Towards the end of the first year. A number of things happened, the Rotherham scandal, the ISIS beheadings, and Ferguson in America. Mm. And that made me really think race is very, very important. Uh, mm. I mean, it's the most... I, well, I concluded at that time, that was August 2014, I concluded that race is the number one issue of this century. I, I mm-hmm. made a video called The Issue of the Century, in which I said that. And so... And of course, the main racial topic for us in Europe is Islam. And people say that Islam isn't a race, but that's just a waste of breath to say that because Islam for us is a racial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it were not in itself a racial thing, which I, I think it is in itself a racial thing. I think it is most, it's, it's primarily Arabic. It's an expression of the, the Arab soul, the Arab psyche. But even mm-hmm. disregarding all that, it, it, we encounter it on racial terms because they are brown and we are white. So that's just a fact. And I know that it's transracial. I mean, there are people that are non-Arab Muslims. There are non-Middle Eastern Muslims. I know that. Um, but still, I think on the whole, it is a, a Middle Eastern thing. So because that is the number one way that we... That's the number one racial issue that we have in, in Europe, the it, mass Islamic migration. Therefore, I focused on that in the second year of my channel, 2015 and and 2016 as well. But by that time, and that probably culminated with uh, the Cologne scandal at the yeah. the meeting of those two years, 2015 yeah. and 2016. And but then throughout 2016, I gradually realised that it was um, it's boring. It's getting boring. And certainly this year, I haven't talked much about Islam at all. I think I've only, 2017, I've only really talked about it when there's been an Islamic attack, uh, which, you know, isn't that unusual. It's not that rare. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many there have been this year, five or six probably. Um, so I talk about it then, but it's not of interest to me because in the end, the problem is race or the issue is race. But the problem is us. The problem is internal. It's not a racial thing as such. It's the problem, the ultimate millennial woe is the illness in the white soul that that allowed all this to happen. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to. 
And, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, of course. And also what you said about basically know yourself. Uh, it's it's has uh, so many facets. It's on so many levels. Yeah, it's a cliche, uh, from, but it's, there's a lot yeah. to it. You know. It's not yeah, easy. exactly. Also, where you come from? What are your roots? What's your culture? Your ancestry, right? Oh, that's and another so thing. So that, yeah, that's the more that's another aspect of it. The I- identity, yeah. which of course is an obsession of. Uh, the alt-right and the identitarian movement in Europe. Um, yeah. That's another part of it. Um, and another, that's a completely separate, more social side of knowing yourself. Like, who are you? What are you? Uh, which, of course, yeah. is, is very, very important. And becoming far more important because we never needed this stuff in the past because Europe, the West, was insulated from non-whites. And then European countries, well, there wasn't that much the lines between them weren't blurred in the way that they are now. And there wasn't so much travel between them as there is now. And so mm-hmm. those individual cultures, those individual ethnic groups were basically safe. And uh, so they didn't, you know, it's like this, when you've got the luxury of, uh, you can take something for granted, basically. So we never needed white identity politics in the past, but we absolutely do now, because we're now in a situation where we're surrounded by non-whites of many different kinds who do care about their identity yeah. and we don't. So we have to catch up because otherwise we're going to be uh, just wiped out. Um, so yeah, that, that's, the whole, that's the whole thing about identity, isn't it? The whole, uh, in, in our age, the, the identitarian movement. Right, right, yeah. Uh, well, since we're talking about the old right, um, what would you specifically uh, define as being old right? That's a really... It's a difficult question, and everyone, you know, people people ask that a lot. I mean, I didn't design the alt right, and it no. didn't originate with me. I and I didn't really associate myself with it for the first year or two years of the channel. I think it was at the end of twenty fifteen when I sort of adopted the label, just because it seemed, mm. you know, a, it just a natural thing to do, and I don't regret that. Um, at all, but it is it is complicated. The alt right is a complicated thing because nobody really can define it. What I would say mm-hmm. is, I mean, Richard Spencer has said that the primary thing about the alt right is identity and an understanding of the importance of identity. You might put it this way: an understanding of peoplehood and of the mm-hmm. and love of your people. Or in the German context, obviously, you might say an understanding of folk and and mm-hmm. love of folk. Um, yes. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. No, no, no. It's uh, it's all good. It's folk, but it's folk, yeah. folk. <laughs> okay. Uh, so an understanding of folk and and a love of your folk. Also, mm-hmm. I think another key part of the all right is an understanding that racial differences are real, and therefore that the races are real. You know that if there are real differences between them, then these things must be separate, discrete entities which they are, even though they can merge into each other and you can reproduce with whatever, it, they're still mm-hmm. recognizably different things. And the, and those differences matter yeah. in multiple ways. They, they matter to the people and they also matter on a more practical level because Africans are less intelligent than us. And of course, yes, we are in less intelligent than East Asians, but that's not the issue yeah. here. You know, We're not trying to yeah. replace the Japanese. Um, <laughs> so, so that's another part, and then uh, 
I would say another aspect of the alt-right is respect for traditional morality. But it would be a mistake to say, therefore, that people in the alt-right are like the Amish or the Mormons, because they're mm -hmm. not. We're not. I mean, we are. We do emerge from this time, this age, which is utterly degenerate and nihilistic. So, I don't know. It might take a new generation of people who are less damaged than than my generation are uh, to actually take this up. You know, the traditional morality. I think that we advocate it, and mm -hmm. we try to sort of spread knowledge of it and awareness of why it's important. Um, but I do think that my specific age group will probably be forever a fucking lost cause, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the traditional morality. I would also say that curiosity about the future is a huge part of the alt-right, because we are not... Um, well, some of us are tied to, a, to specific eras of the past. Um, some of them are... The British Empire is a huge thing uh, among... in Well, not a huge thing, I shouldn't exaggerate. It's a thing. Uh, as is the Roman Empire, uh, as is for some people the Third Reich. Um, mm. But these are all, and you know, there is a, an awareness that these are from the past, these are off the past, and they could not, we couldn't recreate them now. So there has to be something new, just as at, at each of those stages, those were new things. You know, the Roman yes. Empire was something new, the British Empire was something new. Absolutely. And, and so th those brave men built something new from what was available to them, the, the resources, the, the cultures, the peoples who were available to them at the time. And we have to do the same thing now. Um, you know, the past, uh, well, the past is extremely important and it's not just a book of lessons or examples to follow. It is far, something far more nourishing and organic than that. But you can't just repeat it. And in, indeed to try that is to disrespect it in a sense. It's like stepping on the sacred. And it's sort of devaluing mm -hmm. it. Um, the best homage that you can pay to the past is to, is to not repeat it, is to, uh, is to try to build something new, but informed by the past, you know, arising from it, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. not enslaved Absolutely. to it. And certainly not yeah. just a duplicate of it. So that's the other thing. And then the last thing I would say about the all right is optimism mixed with a belief that human beings are not perfect. So I don't think that there is utopianism. I don't think that we have the ridiculous ideas that leftists have about human beings that, you know, that yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we accept that man is a fallen creature, um, which is fine. It's, as I've said many times, it's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean yeah. that you have to be depressed about the situation if you believe that. Uh, I think actually if you believe that, if you accept that man is a fallen creature, you're probably less likely to be depressed because you will accept that Things aren't perfect from day to day. You know, people are not angels, and so you stop ex and you you stop expecting them to be, and so you stop getting disappointed, and you can mm -hmm. actually have more realistic goals for them. Then, so I would say there is that awareness of human frailty, and also mm -hmm. optimism, optimism about the future. That's that's I don't know. <sighs> Is that a good enough description of the alt-right? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I like it. I was especially the part about, you know, uh, that you alluded to, like delusion versus realism, right? Mm. We, um, don't, we don't that, have the luxury of being delusional, you know. <laughs> yes, things, things are pretty right. desperate. So I think we have to be positive and optimistic and maybe a bit wild with, with our goals uh, in order to excite people and excite ourselves, give them something that's worth fighting for. 
But at the same time, we have to be realistic about the situation and the, the types of people that, we're, that, that we are dealing with today. Uh, I mean, for example, it looks like uh, white people today are not as intelligent as they were 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Mm. That might be true or it might not be. I, I'm not sure. I'm just saying these are things that we have to be aware of when we advocate. I mean, this is why the libertarian movement is such a lot of bullshit. You know, because they, they uh, no, I shouldn't go into that. Should, that's another thing. That's a separate thing. So, um, yeah. the alt-right, finally, I would say that it is, it emerged from America. It has been an American thing. Uh, but I think also that it can, it should also be a European thing. I think it should also be present here and mm -hmm. in each country. Because I think, frankly, the alt-right is not tied to America. I mean, people, if you get into conversations with people about the alt-right, they will start talking about American things like, uh, you know, race in America, black people in America. Mm. I'm really not that interested in those issues because, you know, I care about Europe far more. Um, so it did emerge from America, but I think the fact is it can be useful to us, identitarians, nationalists, and so on in Europe because the tactics that our predecessors used weren't that successful. They didn't really work. For the last hundred years, it hasn't really worked. And mm -hmm. uh, the alt-right is something new. It has an energy and an, mm -hmm. a, a zest for life that previously nationalism just didn't have. So I think we, it would be foolish to, uh, to ignore that. I mean, we can build our own versions of the alt-right. Care about. I mean, it's just a word. It's just a phrase. You know, a term. Yeah, exactly. But I think that we should learn the lessons um, that it offers us. So, I mean, that's. I don't regret calling myself all right. I do regret some of the uh, the way it's gone in 2017 since the Trump election in America. I think the all right has somewhat lost its way. Uh, but that's not the end of the world. You know, we can we can get things back again. We can fix it. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, probably, yeah, you could really see that when uh, Trump was about to be elected, they were very united, had a very uh, clearly set goal, what they were going to do, how they were going to support him and so on and so forth. And yeah, it was really yeah, exciting. After that, hmm? It was really exciting and there was such yes. optimism and strength and, you know, and there wasn't infighting, you know, because people were just united. Exactly. It was great. I really enjoyed that, that era. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So they will have to find. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this. They are united in a way when it comes to their interests and their ideas, but uh, they will uh, have to find a way to um, coordinate, perhaps uh, better. So they and also know what's the next target, what is the next thing we are going to tackle. Yeah, there needs to be discipline mm -hmm. and organization yes. to some extent, some structure of some kind. Yes, uh, I uh, think. Um, the other thing is that it, obviously, you see, something that people will say is that well, the alt right is about white. It's it's about the white race, which is an, it's an explicitly American thing, because in Europe we have Germans and French and Scots and all that. <laughs> yeah, Americans think, are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really missing the point. Though. I mean, yes, obviously, it's different in Europe. And I do yeah. very much care about the individual nations of Europe. I think they should be preserved. I want them to be preserved. I don't yeah. want us all to merge. I um, but at the same time, it's ridiculous to say that we're not white. 
you know, that I mean, it's just, it's just stupid. It's just silly. I mean, we clearly are white. We clearly do have a lot in common with each other and with the Americans. And also, uh, our enemies see us all as white. So, uh, you know, they don't care about these distinctions. I, th I think we should, I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about the distinctions, but I am saying, let's not be wanky about this. Uh, we, it's better for us to be standing together against what could turn out in, the, in, in Islam, what could turn out to be a huge mm -hmm. civilizational threat. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either because it's, uh, I mean, white Americans are uh, principally or essentially Europeans. Yes. <laughs> so, of course, yes. white Americans uh, are, you know, just as white as uh, white Europeans, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course they are. Uh, we are their root, so to speak. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And it's an exciting thing. It's a sort of tantalizing relationship between Europe and between Europeans and Americans because we can learn yeah. stuff from them. And they can yeah. learn stuff from us, and it's it's a nice difference. I don't, but I don't think it's. Yeah. I mean, one thing that does disturb me is to think of Americans, like you know, seventy years ago, coming over and blowing things up in in, in Europe because they did not mm -hmm. have the connection to these ancient buildings that they should have had yeah. as white yes. people. And that so that is something that I don't want that to happen again. Uh, no. I think that was grotesque for that to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, that's also uh, actually a good point that the old right would actually unite us um, as a um, compendium or what to call it, like a, um, um, a sum of, of uh, white ethnicities, so to speak, or ethnic groups. Uh, yeah, so, so, you know, we should also form alliances, I would say, between the nations so, and, and uh, our people. Absolutely. So, so such things. So we won't... Uh, struggle against each other uh, yeah. fight each other oh yeah i mean when, common when, enemies exactly one after we've been introduced to you know africans muslims and so on and also the the more benign people like the indians and the chinese after we've been introduced to them it would be insane for us to fight each other you know yeah. we should uh, we should understand that however we feel about these other groups they they what is true is that we are very different from them in a way that we are not very different from each other as Europeans, as Germans and, and British and so on. So yeah. it would be tragic if somehow a war was uh, engineered between European nations uh, in this century. That would be absolutely awful. So I, I would certainly, I mean, I don't want any war, but I certainly don't want a war between, uh, uh, between brothers. I absolutely agree. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to ask you uh, then, uh, what would your uh, message be to specifically, for instance, the German people, since you have talked about Germany a little on your channel on and off, uh, especially with uh, your Merkel video? <laughs> yeah, the Cologne series, yeah. And yes. The, yeah, the, the Iron Chancellor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, my message to the German people, uh, if I would, I could summarize it by, you know, playing on a recent phrase that we've all heard, it's okay to be German. I think that's an absolutely essential thing for the German people to hear now, because I think mm. there's so much self-hate uh, among Germans. I think it's, I think they, I think their soul has been perverted after World War II. They've been punished so much for it and humiliated and brought down. 
and their mm. f- you know future young generations of Germans have been trained to think that their ancestors were just evil, and uh, I think this is terrible because it it leaves them with not much to hold on to, not much to start from. Now, actually, I have to say that other European countries are sort of similar in that we are also detached from our ancestral identities, our ancestral cultures. We're all we are also fed American crap, you know, American TV, American music and, and so on. But with the Germans it's particularly bad because it is justified over and over again with the mm-hmm. claim that everything prior to nineteen forty five was just evil. So mm-hmm. I think that the Germans need to be rehabilitated. Well, I think, no, I shouldn't say it like that. The Germans need to rehabilitate themselves because yeah. what happened after the war was that they were rehabilitated by outsiders. And the result yeah. was that they were murdered spiritually. And that should not happen again. So I think that there needs to be a reawakening of uh, yeah. German self-confidence, uh, German identity and German talent uh, and that that's what you know it, that's what the alt right should do for germany basically is <laughs> allow it give it the mm-hmm. confidence to be itself again uh, because i don't think it has been itself ever since 1945 and some would say ever since 1933 but i know there are some who who think that the nazi era was a perversion of the german soul whatever i don't i don't really care i'm not going to get hung up on that the mm-hmm. the point is that Germany needs to be needs to reawaken because otherwise it's going to die. It's going to die, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so, um, since we have uh, some resistant movements, yeah, or we could perhaps uh, summarize it meanwhile as a resistant movement, uh, resistance movement. I mean, um, is there anything you might, uh, yeah, well, would like yeah. to know about the German resistance movement? Yeah, I th- well, I would like to know what does it comprise? What is the German resistance movement, as you call well, it? Well, yeah, yeah, it's uh, basically, meanwhile, a composition of, uh, you could say, of a different singular movements, if you will, or single movements. Uh, like, for instance, the identitarian movements, uh, which are, uh, I think they started out in Austria and then, of course, are have spread to Germany. And then we have, on the other hand, um, those who are specifically uh, were demonstrating against the Islamization of the West, you know, the patriots against the Islamization of the West. Yes. Yeah. And then we have those who are um, activists with the AFD, the alternative for Germany, the patriotic um, party in Germany that also made it into the parliament now. Mm. Um, So it's like we have different uh, groups who are all in a way no, no, not in a way. They're quite explicitly patriots. The identitarians are patriots. The Pegida, the patriots against the Islamization of the West, are patriots. And the AFD uh, supporters are also uh, patriots. They have just uh, basically, um, yeah, assembled themselves in different groups with different prime aspects that they saw as a threat. And, um, yeah, we just... In Germany, we basically just uh, call them, uh, yeah, just patriots. We will, meanwhile, summarize it as patriots. And the AFD, of course, in a way, helps to perhaps get all these people under one roof. And then on the other hand, we have 
um, private initiatives uh, like um, a patriotic uh, server, the Reconquista Germanica, uh, where YouTubers and other people, just private people, are not not necessarily part of a party or not necessarily even part of any of the other movements, but are patriotic, care about their country, or are just nationally aware um, nationalists or whatever, uh, can join and participate in activism, so to speak. So it's a yeah. I know that the AFD is a civic nationalist party. Um, it basically is, yes. Mm. What what would you say about these other, like, well, Reconquista Germanica? What what is that? Uh, that is, it's going a step further. It's like the AFD is, of course, uh, in a way, of, um, means to an end. I mean, it's the lesser evil in any case. They are strictly against mass invasion, as I would call it. Um, but yeah, on the other hand, they don't have a problem uh, with uh, immigration as long as um, those who come here will adapt to the culture, will be Germanized, so to speak, and then live as Germans. So yes, like you said, there's... Yeah, the, the, first of all, I'm, I'm, reminding of, I'm reminded of the, the America joke about at least I still have the constitution, you know, or yeah. as long as they believe in the constitution, because I know there's the, the German constitution. But also, what I would ask is, when you talk about them being Germanized, what are they being Germanized to? Because obviously Germany has changed a lot in recent decades and it's now mm -hmm. considered a modern multiracial multicultural social democracy which is a world away that's incredibly different from the germany mm -hmm. of 100 years ago and that's the first thing and then the second thing would be i mean there is the eternal question uh, was is deutsch <laughs> has that even been answered yeah. is it a good idea i don't think it's a good idea for any uh country to bring in millions of people from a different race but i think it's especially dangerous for the germans to do that yeah. because there has always been this insecurity about what it means to be german um that is absolutely correct i just briefly wanted to um elaborate on on your very first question with how it differs from our server for instance the discord server reconquista germanica the afd how they for instance differ and i said like the reconquista germanica would go one step further it's and but it also will um already answer a little bit of yeah your other two questions and it's that um yes in in, in the patriotic movement that is for instance organizing on this Reconquista Germanica server, they, for instance, are not just civic nationalists, they are more than that, because they care about their ethnic people. They want the um, ancestral Germans to survive. They don't want mass immigration. Um, they want that, of course, they too want that our birth rates go up again, but they want to um, sort it out internally, right? Mm. I mean, it's mm. like change the policies to make it more attractive for Germans uh, to be... Um, yes. To have children, right? Yeah. To multiply yeah, you more. Want, you, want to ha you want the Germans to have more kids. You don't want other people exactly. to bring in their kids. That's exactly, because we want to to uh, survive as an as a, um, ethnic entity or identity. And um, can you repeat your other two questions uh, briefly? Oh, I, I just—I think I just said, "What are they being Germanized to?" These immigrants. Yes, 
That's right. Of course, you're right. Germany has changed a lot. It's uh, a lot of the culture has been uh, forgotten or not um, handed passed on to the next generations, and that's a problem. I, I mean, I myself am kind of re-traditionalizing myself by getting in touch with a lot of the old culture, uh, the uh, not only history and and uh, I mean like objective historiography, right? But um, also like you know fairy tales and stuff like that elements yes. from German cultures the fests or celebrations where do they come from what what did they mean and and different days and so on and so forth you know all that stuff that makes the German identity makes up the German identity so see this is what you're I was right. getting at in, in my um, yeah. the recent speech I gave at Erkenbrand in the Netherlands I talked about I said to people create YouTube channels or podcasts where you learn about these things that used to make up your ethnic identity, your ethnic culture. You learn about them and then broadcast that knowledge to other people. Because mm -hmm. you can't just say that people should care about their race or they should care about their DNA. They should, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really work like that. There, there needs to be something more human that people can grasp and fall in love with, you know, I have a, have affection for. And that's why I think it's so important because you know, you can't, as I say, there is German DNA. There is such a thing as a German phenotype. Um, mm. But you can't reduce Germanhood to that. Uh, there, there is also a dense history of stories and ideas and sounds and paintings and all the rest of it um, that must be preserved and re, you know, retrieved and, uh, yeah, given, given new life. Absolutely, because uh, th this is it. it. It can't be something dry and boring identity. Yeah. It, sh it shouldn't be. There's no reason for it to be. And also, I don't think it should be something aggressive and militaristic, which is mm -hmm. what it, it sometimes does become. You know, white nationalism. People think of that and they think of men just marching down a street, scaring people. And that is not mm. what it should be like. Um, no, it, it no. should be something more civilized. I agree absolutely. It's you have to teach people what it is. I mean, of course, every every nation, right? Every people has a, a, a soul, a folk soul, if you will, right? So they will always, and it, I think it has a lot to do uh, with the blood and ancestry because every ethnic group developed in a different way mm -hmm. for a reason. Not only environmental reasons; it's also the soul of the nation, uh, the soul of the blood, so to speak. And of course, there is something uh, that despite the um, alienation of the German people um, since the ending of the Second World War, uh, there are things that cannot be eradicated or wiped out that are always there, like characteristic <laughs> certain things, how, yeah, how, but, how Germans are reserved or timid or very uh, following very much a, a lead or a leader, right? Yeah, very moral. Mm -hmm, exactly. Of course, those but, things, that you can't get rid of them, but you can abuse mm. them. You can, exactly, you can, and which is exactly what's happened recently, and it's so disgusting. You know the best exactly. qualities of the Germans being used against them to literally bring about their destruction. I think that Absolutely. is just an evil thing that's been done. So what we have to um, be aware of, or or, or um, realize, or um, re, yeah, teach ourselves, so to speak, or, or learn is. Uh, 
it and it has a lot to do with German history. You have to really go back all the way to um, the old Germans, you know, before they were uh, Germanized, and then actually, you know, follow the culture from then through Christianity uh, to. I will say 45, let's say, because after that, there's not much that happened other than decline, so to speak. So uh, you have to really go through that. And then you will understand bit by bit, if you come all the way from the roots through whatever has happened, you will also see some consistent things like, you know, continuums that have existed always, that have always like a red thread gone through German history, right? And uh, German behavior, German creation and so on and so forth. Uh, But yes, you should really, um, if you know what or want to know what German culture is and what you would want to uh, people to assimilate into or or Germans actually to uh, reconnect with, you will have to go all the way and understand the German being by understand the German history. Yeah, it's something very subtle. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's not values, uh, and this is the same for every group, every people. You can't reduce them to their values. I don't think you can even reduce them to their behavioral stereotypes, mm. like the traits. I think it's even deeper than that. It's something that you can't really put into words. It's yes, it's the tend, it's the sort of the tendencies which which draw them to do this or that. It's the sort of it's in it's very deep down. And yeah. yeah, this is the kind of stuff that you want to reawaken. I don't think that you can teach it. I think that you you have to coax it back into being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's actually reminded me a little of what you said about you know know. I I want to say know thyself because of this in this famous, you know, inscription. Huh? Um, but yeah, it's it's this thing that perhaps everyone has to uh, learn it. For themselves, in a way, understand it for them. It's something you have to feel, I guess, right? Or understand by yeah. You know, I mean, feeling I, that way. yeah, that it's two different things that we were talking about. There, I was talking about knowing yourself so that you would not make mistakes and errors of judgment. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in yeah, of you, course. In how you talk about the world and how you perceive the world. The other aspect, which is what you brought up, is knowing who and what you are, um, as a member of a group, a member of a people. Um, mm-hmm. And these are two different uh, versions of knowing yourself, which I think are both equally important. Absolutely. Uh, so I would like to ask you then, um, are there, do you have any wishes for the German uh, resistance? Well, I want it to be successful. I, I want <laughs> yeah. to, because it's so depressing hearing about what, it's like Sweden, you know, um, mm-hmm. fi- five years ago, every month or so, you'd hear a new story coming out of Sweden that would, and you thought, Fucking hell, how awful is it there? How insane is it? But now mm. it's becoming like that with Germany. You know, every so often you hear about a new thing, uh, a new policy, or a new case of rape, and the guy's been let off, or something like that. Um, and so, but the thing is, the difference is that the Swedes sort of, the Germans occupied, they had a much bigger role, a much more prominent role in European history. So if mm. they disappeared, it would, frankly, I think, be a bigger loss to the world than if the Swedes disappeared. And I don't mean that to as a, an insult to the Swedes. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that the Germans in particular are an extremely important and admirable people. And I really don't want them to die out. And I don't want them to change out of recognition and become half Somalian or yeah. half Congolese or half Arab or whatever. Um, so I want the German resistance, as you're calling it, I want it to to succeed, and I want the Germans to stop hating themselves, 
I want them to recapture what they were. I want them to start being what they, they should be. And I want Germany as a society to be cured of the illness that it has suffered with for many decades now. That's what I would want for the German resistance movement. Um, more practically, I would like it to be to get organized. And I think that's mm-hmm. true of the similar movements in every country. Mm-hmm. And there, needs yeah. be, there needs to be structure so that we can get things done. Um, and just, yeah, efficiency and persuasion and being getting better at reaching the public in general. I think especially in the case of Germany, the German public need to be awakened to these things. Um, it's so depressing to meet young people of you know, in Britain, for example, who don't know who or who they are or what they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they are fed this global monoculture of just trash. And yeah. and they, they don't know anything deeper than that. They don't know that even that there should be anything deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this is what you know, this is what we have to combat. This is what we have to get rid of in every country, this utter lack of care, this utter lack of identity, which in the end makes people so passive. You know, they're willing to put up with them. What was that? Was that 1.1 million third world people coming into their country in one year? That yeah. is just monstrous. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. It, it, they, there should have been outrage at that. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's a, um, something that you just said, uh, reminded me that you get the feeling in this country, and I, I bet it's not different in your country, uh, that the people don't have the feeling like the country belongs to them, that it's something yes. of theirs. Or that it is anything, mm-hmm. uh, that the country mm-hmm. is something other than an economic system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what how a lot of people conceive of nations now, it's just uh, an economic market. And uh, as long as the economic processes are going okay, then they, they've got nothing to worry about. But actually, a nation is something much more complex than that, uh, and much deeper than that. And I, yeah, this is what I wish people would understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good advice, I think. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask you what uh, inspired you to become part of the old right, but you kind of said also that you, uh, in a way, slipped into it. And then I would have asked what. Is there, if there was any specific key moment or if it was, yeah, like a fluent well, um, program? Yeah. By, by the time the alt-right came around, uh, which, I, when was that? Nobody even knows when, really. Like <laughs> I think the, the term was coined, I think, in 2008 or nine. I think it was around then. Um, but it didn't really become something until about 2013, 2014, um, and definitely picked up in 2015. And then mm. the, its best year was 2016. And 2017 has been a bit of a, a, a step down um, for, for various reasons. Um, so I'd say by the time that I started calling myself a part of the alt-right at the end of 2015, um, my views had been pretty much uh, set in stone for a, quite a few years. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me what led me to... I mean, it was a very organic process. You know, I didn't... I, when I was a teenager, I was a liberal. And I've gone through this story many times on my channel. Um, started off as a liberal, moved to London, realized that multiracial living didn't work. Uh, multiculturalism was a joke. And then from that point on, it was just one, it was a slow evolution over about 10 years. 
Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe less than that. Maybe seven or eight years. I think by 2010, uh, I that, that was in 2002. And I think by 2010, I was aware of racial differences, definitely aware of culture, and I was against feminism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... And then, yeah, yeah. So I would say it took about eight years until about 2010. And then I was sort of waiting for something to... I felt very alone, very isolated. And I was waiting for something to come up that I could join, that I could be part of. And I honestly didn't think that it would because, um, well, I was just so pessimistic then, you know, as I think <laughs> I think a lot of us were. Mm-hmm. But then the alt-right came about. And, and prior to that, it was the reactosphere, which was sort of more reaction, neo-reactionary stuff. And I that was a sort of forerunner of the alt-right sort of predecessor, a prototype. And I was, mm. I called myself one of those. I called myself a, re- a reactionary, a neo-reactionary. Um, and I would still call myself that to some extent. I don't, I certainly wouldn't want to dismiss that category. Um, but of course, these things don't really matter. I mean, they're just terms, you know, where we, we are in the end, all in the same situation. And fighting for the same thing, which is the preservation, the, the re- retrieval and preservation of uh, ethnic identities. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and also hierarchy. That's another thing that I didn't mention earlier with the alt-right. I think it's extremely anti-equality. I should have said that. That's a key thing about the alt-right. And um, <laughs> because equality is just an absolute joke. I mean, it doesn't exist anywhere in nature. Yeah. It doesn't That's exist correct. anywhere in society between people. And so, you know, the it's a silly thing to aim for. You can never, you'll never achieve it, and the effort to achieve equality will just lead to disaster and misery for many people. So, it's not. Uh, yeah, I think the alt right is unique in this way. It's the only political movement today that seems to be expressly against equality and pro hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Uh, and as for me, that that just emerged naturally, as I realised that uh, you know class differences were real, race differences were real, cultural differences. You know that there are there are crap cultures, there are good cultures. So hierarchy just emerges as you become open to the reality of things. You realise that hierarchy is present in life, and then you realise that if it were not present in life, if everything actually were equal, life would be unbearable. Life would be meaningless. Mm-hmm. So hierarchy Absolutely. is not just a fact, it's a necessary and healthy thing. Yes. Uh, and also, more practically, everything needs structure if it's to actually do anything. And structure yeah. basically means hierarchy. It, it, it entails exactly. that. So, yeah, I would say that's a, a huge thing as well. Um, yeah, so that's what I would say. But and any specific key moments, not really. There's just, as I've said a thousand times, it was when I moved to London in 2002. That was really my red pilling w- waking up mm-hmm. moment and ever since then it's been a fairly gradual evolution uh mm-hmm. yeah so i would yeah. say about it yeah trying yeah, everything is like trying to enforce something that is just an illusion like or delusion actually yeah it's, yeah, it it's just naturally impossible and it's, it's amazing. like if you try to break the laws of physics yes yes and it's yeah. amazing how people believe in it they really care mm. about it like a religion, like a religious impulse. And uh, I just don't understand that. I, I don't understand why people are so afraid of hierarchy and are so afraid of the idea that things 
aren't equal. Is it really the end of the world if some culture, like this culture, is inferior to that culture? It's not. Why do people get excited about that? It's, yeah. not, it's not something bad, you know. No. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. So when we talked earlier, I, I was. Um, I know I realized how much you actually know about Germany. I mean, not only the uh, general stuff, but details like uh, some specific laws. So we were uh, a lot of us were uh, very impressed with your anal uh, analysis of uh, Angela Merkel. Uh, your video uh, video, I believe, was called the Iron Chancellor. Yeah, yeah, that's a play yeah. on. Um... So how did you manage to create uh, such a profound image of hers? And yeah. uh, despite you being a Scot, <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what I, I just read a lot of on internet web articles about her and mm -hmm. I, I talked to various people about her Germans and I just spent a lot of time thinking about her because she is an intriguing she's a terrifying character uh, in her emptiness yeah, but she's mm -hmm. also quite interesting because you think how the hell did someone like this become powerful and uh, and then there's the other question separate from that how does someone like this maintain power how did the German people not overthrow her and get rid of her? Because she's so, as a person, yeah. as a character, she's so hollow. She's like a, a husk of a human being. And then there are the actual policies, that, you know, the things that she does, especially since September 2015. Mm. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's alarming. It's remarkable that uh, there, there haven't been uh, violent riots and coups to, to try and get rid of her. Um, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I just, I, to answer your question, I just uh, did a lot of thinking about her. I sort of, I, I tend to perceive things from body language to some extent. I know that's a, mm -hmm. sounds kind of witch doctorish, but um, yeah, not at all. Actually, I think it's that, very interesting. I thought it was very spot on. The whole video. Well, thank you, thank you. Mm. As I just watched a lot of footage of her and read a lot of articles. I don't know, maybe a dozen articles about her um, and talked to various people about her who knew, who know more about German history and German culture than I do, a lot more. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that was it, really. It was just one of those videos that took a long time to uh, grow organically. I think I had it on... I was making notes on it for about more than a year, like a year and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe even longer yeah. than that. I can't remember now. You mentioned that you, uh, in the beginning, I think, of the video, that you had to postpone it uh, time and time again. Yes, it was annoying yeah. because things kept coming <laughs> up. Um, yeah, I wanted to do it for the election last September, but I can't remember what election that was. Um, and she did, her party got, got damaged in it. What, yeah, okay, yes, I it remember. Was the Berlin, that was the, yeah, the, I'm mm -hmm. getting mixed up. What happened last September in 2016 was that was the anniversary of the migrant crisis in September mm -hmm. 2015. Then at the end of that month, there was the, I think it was the an election in her own area. Was it Mecklen, I forgot what it's called, Pom, Mecklenburg, uh, Lorraine? Uh, yeah, it might be. I, I'm, I'm not sure with the dates right now, but yes, yes, it, it was Mecklenburg, uh, Pomerania. Yes, mm -hmm. and the West AF, Pomerania. The AFD beat her party into third yes. place, if I recall correctly. So that that was an interesting thing. And I wanted to do the video for that, for the anniversary of the migrant crisis, but I didn't make it. Then I wanted to do it for the time of the general election in Germany. I think that was two months ago now, but I didn't make mm. that either. So it was, uh, yeah, it's disappointing. But I got it done in the <laughs> end. 
<laughs> Finally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so you're a regular spokesman representing the ideas of the old right, more or less. Um, have you ever considered speaking in Germany? Yeah, I'd love to speak in Germany. That's uh, <laughs> obviously again, it's one of the the major European countries. It's one of, I mean, it's one of the most important countries in the world. And as I said, I think the Germans could do with some encouragement. And mm. I would love to address a room full of young Germans and, and just, I think I would make it a largely improvised speech because I think it would be nice just to take some notes and you know speak from the heart, as it were. And uh, yeah, so I, I would love to, I would love to speak in Germany. Uh, yeah. it's, it's all to do with somebody organizing a conference and uh, yeah. that hasn't happened yet, but we'll see. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> considering another topic now, um, considering the negativity to be found on all sides, you know, not only lefty ideologies, but also perhaps like right wing uh, defeatists. Cocks. What? Yes, yes. <laughs> what is it that keeps you personally motivated, you know, when you get up in the morning or oh, know, well, through the day? There are different types. I mean, I am very restless. I'm a very restless man. I always have been. So I always mm. sort of want to be doing things. I want I want to keep busy, but and so that helps me with the channel because there's a there's always a huge amount of work with the channel, and so mm. this restlessness helps with that. But that's a sort of natural drive that I have. If you mean defiant, like sort of yes. wanting to fight back, as it were, then yes. that's a different thing. I think nowadays I kind of have to be like that because a lot of people expect they they want me. To, to do that, to sort of lead the charge in a sense. They're looking to me on my channel and elsewhere as as someone that they can, uh, I don't know, I don't want to puff myself up too much, but I think people want someone to tell them it's worth fighting. You know, mm -hmm. you, we're not dead yet. We're not doomed yet. We can, we can still win. So, For that reason, I do. Uh, I mean, that means that I have to try to to be strong. Also, I, I do still talk about my doubts on the channel because that's something mm -hmm. I've always done. There has always been that very honest relationship, or I've attempted to be very honest in how I talk. You know, my my relationship with the viewers. So I do still talk about when I get depressed. I sort of, I sometimes share it with them. Sometimes I don't, mm -hmm. sometimes I do, I talk about it. I think that actually helps them because they have similar doubts. And so it's, it's. I think they like hearing somebody else articulate those doubts and explore it. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's actually a very good point that you don't only want to hear like optimism or how we can do things, but people like to be addressed on a personal level, like personal yeah. worries, sorrows, yeah. and so on and so forth. So I think that is a very good idea. That's uh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that other YouTubers could learn from my example, to be honest, in this way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, a lot of YouTubers just want, you know, they, they have a very different relationship with their viewers. You know, they have half a million subscribers mm. and their job is to be happy all the time. And you know, that's what they expect. That's what everyone expects. With with my channel, it's much smaller, and but I think a lot of alt writers could and identitarians and all this could do with this because in the end we are all going through the same thing together. So mm -hmm. 
it's not the end it's not the end of the world if you share your doubts or your emotional state because it is a depressing time that we're living in um yes and i think that people do enjoy hearing hearing it shared and talked about um the other thing is uh, so i i don't really i have to be strong i don't really have a choice to give in if i did want to do that i would just i would make it very explicit on the channel that i'm no longer going to be talking about politics and all this because i think we're going to lose so i'm not going to mm -hmm. lie to you um but i don't think that is the case i'm not going to give up certainly not in the near future i don't feel that is uh, imminent uh, i think yeah. we can i think we can win and so i want to uh, maintain that and maintain that you know optimism yes um, yes absolutely hold on i'm just gonna have to stop the camera briefly and restart it because it was uh Uh, but the other thing is that uh, something else that keeps me motivated is the feeling of making progress because I do feel that we're making progress. As I've said before uh, in this interview, I think that this year has been a difficult year, certainly for me personally and also for the movement in general. Mm -hmm. I think it has been a crap year compared to last year. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, I do think that we're making progress. Uh, everything is growing. New channels are emerging, new podcasts are emerging, new organizations are emerging, uh, new subscribers are appearing. Mm -hmm. Everywhere in the alt-right and the identitarian uh, sphere, there is growth. And that means that we are making progress. So even if it has been a shit year, it hasn't been that shit a year. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. We're still in a better, uh, we're doing better than, than we were this time last year. Um, I understand. So, and for me personally, um, yeah, the, the rising subscriber numbers is always a good sign. Um, the donations that come in, they're also an encouragement because mm -hmm. it makes you feel that, okay, what, what you're doing is important to people. It's in the mm -hmm. same way if they give you, if they tell you, and I get a lot of people sent, giving me encouraging comments, you know, that that makes you feel, okay, I'm doing well. Um, this is okay. Um, and then also another thing that motivates me is the new channels and podcasts that show up and they, they cite me as one of their inspirations. So obviously that is very nice. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's strange. I still don't really believe, you know, it's still difficult for me to accept that I have been an inspiration to other people, but they keep, you know, people keep saying it, so I, I suppose it must be true. You know, it's just a, it's a very different, difficult thing um, because yeah. I I never thought it would be like this. You know, I it just uh, I just did it uh, for yes. my own for my own mostly selfish reasons. Really, I started the channel. You know, I wanted to talk about my problems and you know the things that I saw wrong with society. So it was it, it I I had no idea that it was going to become like this. And if I had known, I don't know if I would have gone ahead with it. You know, I'll have to, mm -hmm. I'll be honest, but it is the way it played out It's the way it happened. And we're here and, um, it is very tiring and it is, it's stressful. It's difficult, but well, this is why I think it's essential that we don't have infighting, uh, because it demoralizes everyone. I think yes. we have to stick together because the whole world outside of the alt-right and the and nationalism and the identitarian uh, community, everyone outside that wants to see us lose. 
And um, mm -hmm. that can be a very uh, heavy burden to bear. It's, it's a sort of, it's intimidating. And this is why it's essential that, you know, the, the community has certainly encouraged me and come through for me several times. And I think it's essential that we keep doing that for each other. Um, and also another thing that encourages me is that I'm starting to see our idea, our talking points and our memes around the internet in general. You, know, you start seeing them mm -hmm. in places that you wouldn't expect them. You know, it's it's not, mm -hmm. not like an alt-right uh, forum or something like that. Just uh, on some innocuous YouTube channel, someone will share a, a particular meme. And uh, you think, bloody hell, it's, it's everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely a sign of progress. And again, it's... Uh, you know, the, the question of motivation is an important one because, as I've just said, we are up against a lot and we have to be strong. Um, so, yeah, I think we have to get, get we, could, we could get better at this than we currently are and mm -hmm. sort of maintaining ourselves, maintaining our morale. Um, but, yeah, I've told you what keeps me going. Um, now, yes. nowadays it's i mean nowadays it's mostly the signs that we are actually having success that we are actually succeeding in doing what we're what we're trying to do that is uh that definitely makes me think okay this is good we're we're on the right track and we just have to keep doing what we've been doing yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what i would say about this mm -hmm. so um in your opinion um, since we've talked about this a little defeatism now and what keeps you motivated, are there specific uh, topics or what do you think, what topics should we focus on first and foremost in order to, or for them to advance us or to get us to the next level? Well, I talked what about, emphasis? I, I've already talked about chat doing, well, topics around uh, our cultural identity or history and things like mm. that. I think that that's an essential thing. We need that nourishment. And uh, so that's one thing. I also think that we should try to build a, a comprehensive culture that, so that, for example, there are uh, personal fitness channels, uh, bodybuilding, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, health, nutrition, um, and also more practical, well, Things like money making, running a business, um, doing a business plan, that that kind of thing, um, and programming, that sort of thing as well, and just general education because we don't we don't yet have that kind of thing. Just now, when we want to do that, we have to go to sources that might well be uh, paused up. Let's say that might well be progressive, and that means that they might be. For a start, that means that we're giving our money to them, to progressives. But also it means mm -hmm. that they might be giving us uh, slanted information. I just think it would be better if we had literally everything that we could need like, in terms of education. I think it would be great if we were literally producing everything internally. <laughs> within, mm -hmm. that, that would yeah. be fantastic. Um, yeah, I understand. Yeah, Especially, and yeah, because... But the other thing is that we need to, uh, in order to do that kind of thing, we need to secure our place on the internet. And that means what, what people are referring to as alt tech. 
I think that we, after Charlottesville, we saw how vulnerable we were to just getting shut down. And it could happen to any of us at any time. Uh, anyway, after Charlottesville, it happened to a great number of us all at once. And that could happen again. So I think it's crazy. We're just, as I said in the Erkenbrand speech, we are sitting ducks. We're just waiting for them to delete us. So mm-hmm. this is another thing. This is another goal that we should have as a, a global movement. Um, and uh, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, also, since I knew that you were going to ask this question, I also wrote this down. Um, it occurred to me, this is kind of funny, but um, a very good training course. I know that um, Erkenbrand do training courses, and I know that other in other countries, uh, similar people, similar groups do similar things. One of them that occurred to me was a training course that puts a bunch of young guys through the entire range of things that Robert Heinlein said a, a man should be able to do. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I can't I can't remember them all now, but it was a range of things like um, any human being should be able to do all of these different things. And I thought it would be f- really good to actually give people, you know, and I, I include myself in this. I'm certainly not a practical guy, um, but give them a a comprehensive training. Hold on a minute, let me see this. Uh, yeah. ch- change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog. Design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, <laughs> analyze a new problem, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, and die gallantly. I mean, nice. it'd be hilarious to do some <laughs> yes. kind of course where a bunch of guys were put through all of those different things. and um, Absolutely. I, I, Creating I, super... Yeah, I don't... Sorry. Exactly. I don't mean it as a joke. I mean, to do as many of those things, I think that would be help. I think it'd be really very helpful for a lot of young guys, um, lots of yeah. middle-aged guys as well, um, because we don't... Increasingly, we are not trained in how to do these things. And then as, as a result, so many young guys just, you know, play video games all day. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I think that would be a good thing to do. Um, yes, yeah, uh, like creating superhumans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as for topics, I mean, as I said before, I think culture is very important, and our yeah. preserving our anse- ancestral uh, identities is very important. That's the more the YouTube side of things. Basically, there's no end to the things that we can do as as identitarians alt-writers, nationalists, whatever you want to call us, mm-hmm. um, we should be doing everything. And there's there's no reason not to. Uh, so I would, again, as I did in the Akinbrand speech, I would encourage everyone who has an area of expertise and knowledge, or even just a curiosity about something, to pursue it and bring it into our galaxy of things, mm-hmm. of uh, internet outlets. Because the more the better, you know. There's, I think we want to build a comprehensive, almost self-contained ecosystem, so that uh, so that we are insulated from the the degeneracy that is yeah. everywhere now. Yes. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's what that's what we should uh, focus on in terms of topics. But I mean, if you want it to be more immediate, more practical. I, I don't know. I'm not a practical guy, but I would say something like, <laughs> uh, I do think that 
self-defense is very important because I think we're going to need it increasingly uh, mm -hmm. in the next few years in Europe and in America. I think that's a very important thing for people to do. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I also think that programming is a skill that every young guy should learn uh, because it's just so useful. Mm -hmm. um, and how to run a YouTube channel is, uh, is also a very useful thing because <laughs> even if you don't want to do it as a career, or as yeah. a, a hobby, I think it's a good thing to be able to do because God yeah. knows when you might need it. So there you go. Yeah. That's what Love I would you. say. Colin, thank you so much for joining us today, for taking the time. It's really been a pleasure. Lots of interesting points, insights, um, opinions. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been yeah. talking for a long time now. I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I don't want to uh, strain you anymore, any longer. So if you just have a few uh, last words. Oh, I, I would just encourage people to do things, to uh, not be passive in all of this. You know, there, there's, we don't, you don't need to be passive. You can actually play a part in this uh, without endangering yourself as well. I mean, it's, you don't have to show your face like I do. Um, mm. so I would just encourage people to organize, get involved with things and, uh, and do their bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, it's just, um, it's a matter of, I, I want to encourage people not to be, uh, not to just sit back. Mm. Yeah. Basically your country needs you. Uh, I think is, is as true now as it has ever been. Right. Okay, good last words. Okay, um, so und jetzt noch an die deutschen Zuschauer. Wenn ihr das bis jetzt durchgehalten habt, ähm, ich bedanke mich auch fürs Zuschauen. Ähm, danke wirklich für alles und äh, ja, ciao, ciao, goodbye. Ciao, ciao. All right, thank you.